Hello. Hello, Robert. Hi. Can you hear me okay? All right, let me play the Uh theme music and we'll get started with the show. Good evening and welcome to Guys Guys Radio. Um, this is Robert Manny, your host. We have a special show this evening. Our special guest is Susanna Matthews, the date maven, and she's got a book called Revising Mrs. Robinson, Navigating the Cooper Cub Dating and Relationships. Um, let me start out the show by just saying that we had some te- technical difficulty. We were supposed to be on at 7 p.m. and uh, ended up having to call in to the show uh, using a landline. So here I am, and uh, we're just getting kind of our ducks in a row because I just scooted on there uh, right now, and I don't know what the problem was, but uh, here we are. So let me start out the show by saying welcome to the show. It is um, Wednesday, December 14th, 2016. Here we are be broadcasting live from Harlem, New York City, Guys, Guys Radio, and wow, it's been a long year, and uh, you know, it's interesting that people have said, wow, 2015 was the worst year ever, and now they're saying 2016 is the worst year ever, and everybody's already dreading 2017, but you know what? We've got a super moon out there. Things aren't so bad. It's how you look at things, and you have to work from the inside out, and uh, what we say in the whole Guys, Guys movement is that when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. So things are going to be okay, but we have to take things one step at a time, and we have to align ourselves with our intention to make things happen. The whole Guys Guys movement started with my novel, The Guys Guys Guide to Love, which came out a few years ago, and it's about two men competing for love, sex, power, and money. It's been called the male successor to Sex in the City. And it's different than Sex in the City in that, you know, Sex in the City is four ladies drinking cosmopolitans and uh, discussing their love and sex lives. And uh, guys don't really roll exactly that way. So it's more about two guys competing for love, sex, power, and money in the ad game in New York City. And um, the book's doing well. And it started... uh, launching a whole guys guys movement and we started out with guys guys radio a few years ago and we're already past our 200th podcast and we've had relationship experts we've had entertainers we've had a lot of uh, people in the wellness and spiritual area and it's been just a wonderful experience for myself and hopefully for our listeners and we've got a lot of followers for the show so thanks everyone for that What's going on quickly out in the world today? Well, we've got, uh, if you're a guy and you play fantasy football, it's, uh, you're probably in your semifinal games now, so everybody's watching all those fantasy football shows and fiddling with their lineups and getting ready for that. Here in New York, we've got some brutally cold weather on the way, and it looks like we're going to have a real winter this year versus last year. And then we have so much in the news. Uh, if you want to get an upset stomach, just turn on the news and watch everything about the uh, all the aftermath of the presidential presidential election and all the things that are going on, where you have the stock markets going up. Now the Fed's rating, uh, going to raise the interest rates. You have people having agita about all the picks for the uh, cabinet positions. 
where it looks like they just want to dismantle all the regulations and really push the economy. So we'll see what happens. Everybody's, uh, you know, on uh, walking on eggshells with our new president-elect, and then we have the whole thing with was the election hacked by the Russians and all of that. So we don't know, and we'll find out. And what I suggest to everybody is, like, don't get, uh, you know, don't sit on your hands, but you got to live your life. you got to go out there and do your thing, and, uh, and you got to enjoy yourself at the same time. We like to do a little segment on this show, uh, Guys Guys Radio, called The Guys Guys Guide. And uh, each week we take on a topic, and I usually blog about that. So uh, just my little uh, commercial. Uh, my website is robertmanni.com. I've got over 250 blog posts now. You can also catch me on HuffPo and Cupid's Pulse and some of the other relationship sites. Um, and uh, this week, the Guy's Guy's Guide, I'm writing about uh, patience, the Guy's Guy's Guide to Patience and Perseverance, because particularly if you're a New Yorker, everybody wants things done right now. They don't want to wait for anything. And they just, uh, you know, you want it when you want it and you want it now. That could be money, that could be job, that could be sex, whatever. Everybody wants it, wants it, wants it, and has no patience. Everybody's plugged in, highly caffeinated, and just on the march. And uh, New York is a, you know, uh, type A town. And you really, that's not how we're wired in today's world. We're wired in a way that that's not really how the flow of life necessarily is. But we've amped it up to fit our culture, and people have to be careful about not letting that get out of hand and get ahead of us, because you really have to like step back and be present in who you are and what you are and how you serve and all the things you, you do. So I wrote about patience this week, and the blog posts probably go up tomorrow, and uh, I make two points. One is, you know, Remember some of those things that you thought you really wanted and that you had to have it right then and there, and then you look back and maybe you got some of it and maybe you didn't get some of these things. And now when you look back on it, it wasn't necessarily exactly what was right for you. And that's why patience is so important. You take a guy like Abe Lincoln. I think he had, I don't know, about 10 monumental failures in his career before he came became president. And that's and Michael Jordan didn't even make his high school basketball team. And J.J. Rowling, who wrote, uh, J.W. Rowling, I guess, who wrote the, the Harry Potter series, she was like living in her car before her book got published. So for all of us and all of you who are out there doing your thing and uh, following your dream and your intentions and wanting to manifest things, the universe is on your side and everybody's where they're supposed to be at this present time. But our timetable and our concept of time doesn't necessarily match up with how the universe works. So what we are supposed to uh, get and experience will happen, but it doesn't necessarily going to happen the way you want it to happen and on the timetable that you want. But ultimately, as we all kind of ascend and we're all connected and we all go back to the source, if you believe that and consider that, you're all on the right path and the right place at the right time. It's just a matter of just being comfortable with that. And instead of just believing and wanting things, you have to really know that things are laid out the right way for you. And it's really tough. I know for myself, I have a, had a, I was president, my last uh, full-time position was president of an ad agency, really 
pushing things ahead, worked from, from very sexy global brands, and uh, now I'm building my own business. I decided, you know what, I want to do this. This is where my passion is. I can reach more people in a different way. And it's tough because uh, I'm not making the same amount right now. I'm not uh, making the same amount of money as I was before, but I have so many pieces in place, and I'm reaching people in a different way that I just know that when things are supposed to happen for me, when I uh, actualize some things that need to happen for me, then things will happen when they're supposed to happen. And that's not supposed to be all like a bunch of nonsense. It sets Sometimes we think that something that we want is right for us, and maybe it's not. And maybe for our journey, something else is right for us. And again, if you look back, think about that that guy or that girl that you dated and you thought they were the be-all, end-all, or even the one you didn't get. And then you run into them a few years later and you say, WTF, what was I thinking? There's no attraction there. There's no chemistry there. You still maybe respect the person as a human being, but that's that wasn't that wasn't meant to be, and it probably wasn't a good thing. Yet at the time, it seemed like I was obsessed with that person. That's who I wanted to be with. So we have to be patient. We have to just let go and not be so tied into the outcome. And when we release things, and you know that things are that you're on the right path, you're in the right place at the right time. Things fall into place a lot easier. It's like it's about alignment. It's about aligning yourself to your truth, aligning yourself to abundance. And when you do that, you don't have to work as hard. Instead of push, 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 if you're in alignment with things, you kind of surf the wave and things kind of happen. But it takes a while to get there. And I know for myself, I'm working on it all the time, but I don't want to push too hard. And it's just a challenge for everybody. So just keep that in mind. That's our Guys, guys, guide for this week, and again, it's on my website. You can catch up with me. Uh, all guys, guys, radio podcasts are on Blog Talk Radio, iTunes, Stitcher, and TuneIn Radio. Again, my website's Robert Manny M A N N I dot com. I'm on Twitter, Facebook, YouTube, and the name of the novel is The Guys, Guys Guide to Love. You can pick it up on Amazon, Amazon, any of the e-tailers, a lot of bookstores, and it's a perfect stocking stuffer. It's a steamy tale. Lots of sex in it, lots of love, lots of betrayal, and uh, and it's a lot of fun. So anyhow, on with the show. Uh, our special guest this evening is uh, Susanna Matthews, and she's been very patient because we were supposed to start the show at 7 o'clock, and we had technical difficulties, so I've managed to pull it together for 8, and now I've uh, had to call in, as she has, and she's been very kind, so I'm anxious to get her, or eager to get her onto the show. So let's talk about her book. Um, she's a relationship expert in first impression management and gender communication. She specializes in soulful spiritual relationships, intergenerational dating, and high net worth relationships. She continues her work out of Wichita, Kansas, where she also works as a keynote speaker, a wedding officiant, and an image consultant. So she's obviously a very interesting person. Uh, she's got a BA in uh, communications from Bethel College, and she has a master's in theater drama from Wichita State University. Her book is called Revising Mrs. Robinson, Navigating the Cougar Cub Dating and, and Relationships. And her uh, handle is The Date Maven, and you can catch her on Facebook. Also, her website is uh, datemaven, I think, .com. So let's bring her on to you right now. Susanna, are you with us? Hi, yes, Robert, I'm here. 
Oh, well, thank you so much for your patience. Uh, this has been, you know, I'm, uh, I'm just like spinning plates here because my producer was <laughs> leaving his office just about to jump in the subway. I got him to go back and check this out, and then I went on with Blog Talk Radio. And the good news is our podcasts, uh, you know, they're all free on iTunes and Stitcher and TuneIn Radio, and most people listen at their own leisure, and that's the beauty of podcasts. So here we are, and uh, let's talk about your book because i got a lot of questions because I actually have dated. I was single for a long time. I only got married a few years ago, and uh, I dated cougars. And uh, so I'm interested in your take. I read the book, and I guess uh, let me ask you, what was your inspiration for the book, and are, are you a cougar? cat relationship, whatever you want to call it, is having its moment, um, whether you're looking at the celebrity world and they're the likes of Kris Jenner, Madonna, Jennifer Lopez, people like that, or whether you're looking at TV shows and those relationships seem to be showing up as plot points in shows like Younger and Girlfriend's Guide to Divorce, and then there's like Fergie's on the radio singing about milk money. So, so I'm just kind of seeing it like in our collective cultural conscious, if you will. And and I was doing some research, doing some reading, and, and found that MILF is one of the top search terms in Pornhub. So I was like, that's interesting. So that, that tells me that it's very alive and well in sort of the male fantasy world. Um, but, but it didn't really get personally interesting for me until a few years back when I was newly single for a moment and suddenly was kind of the object of younger male attention and my reaction to that wasn't like, hey, yay me, and this is awesome, but like, what's up with that? Why is that, and why am I even questioning it, and, and why does that feel weird and, and awkward to me? And, and I've always been interested in kind of the intersection of sexuality and culture and gender roles and, and things like that. So I kind of had to dig in because I had some internal resistance, and I was noticing some peer resistance or peer judgment as well. So I kind of had to ask why. Now, uh, the term, and you mentioned this in your book, the term cougar and cub, you know, they have connotations of predatory for a woman and then guys being kind of like, uh, you know, immature. What's your take mm-hmm. on that? Because I don't know if it's, uh, I don't know if it helps getting the point across, not from you, but just in general, those handles um, in yeah. terms of describing the situation. It doesn't seem to be, you know, they don't call the, uh, the male, the older guy with the younger woman, there, there is no animal names for that. But right. yet, yet when right. it's flipped around, why does a woman have to be called a cougar and why does the guy have to be called a cub? What's your uh, take on that? Exactly. And that's one of the questions I asked the women I interviewed was, do you like the name? Do you mind the name? A lot of them hated the name because of the predatory implication, which you mentioned. And, and there were pros and cons. There were some women who embraced it and found it empowering. And then there were others who found it kind of oversimplifying or that it somehow minimized the relationship or was sort of a stereotype that they didn't really feel like fit them. And and words are important because the language we use reflects our reality and it creates our reality both at the same time, right? So, So how we talk about our experiences and how we talk about ourselves go a long way to shape that. And so I ultimately used it in the subtitle just for purely for marketing reasons, to be honest sure. with you. It's, it's, 
honestly, that's what people are searching. If they're in that kind of relationship, they know that even though the term doesn't maybe do the relationship justice, well, this is a quick and easy way to, to search for a book or a blog or an article. Mm-hmm. But if you're a cougar who doesn't want to be called a cougar, um, I think it's empowering to have a, a quick and ready comeback. And it might be something like, hey, I didn't seek out this relationship to conquer anyone or consume anyone. He is a capable, mature, loving young man, and I'm so happy we met. And that's all you need to say. Mm-hmm. Um, just from my own experience, and uh, I, I, it's probably somewhat typical, um, I had dated, you know, being a new young guy in New York in my 20s, I met older women, and I liked them because they were uh, – it was more to the point, I thought. Uh, they were mature and uh, had more world experience, and uh, it didn't have to play a lot of games. Uh, but mm-hmm. on the flip side, I was probably uh, being that a lot of times the guys in their 20s are less mature than, than women even in their 20s. So when you have a guy in their 20s and you have a woman in her third, late 30s or 40s, there, mm-hmm. there's a there's a gap in terms of a maturity gap, really, and I found that my relationships, they worked out to a certain point, but at a certain point they didn't work out, and I think it was because I was probably too immature. Is that typically a challenge and uh, for the uh, you know the older woman dating the younger guy? I mean, the physically thing is great because there's no messing around. You like you do what you want to do, and it's great mm-hmm. because um, everybody, the woman has great experience, and she knows. And sex is sex, and she can compartmentalize it better than a lot of the younger uh, ladies. But and for the guy, that's great because they're kind of hardwired that way. But and then you know, this conversation, all of that. When it comes to actual maturity, sometimes the guy's a little bit behind the eight ball in terms of the dealing with a mature woman who's been around and, uh, you know, just has a little bit more savoir-faire, if you will. Yeah, yeah, I, I think that was beautifully put. And, and that was a concern that was expressed by a lot of the women who I interviewed. One of the ways that maturity can kind of show up in a relationship is around things like manners and mores and, and what we expect of each other in terms of behavior. And so sometimes a middle-aged woman might have sort of different standards in terms of etiquette or the way we're supposed to communicate, maybe texting, phone calls, who pays for dates, um, things like that. And the younger man has probably been raised in an Internet culture, um, a, a little bit more of an instant gratification culture tends to be more explicit about sexuality and about money and and some of the things that feel like they're supposed to be a little more protected to a middle-aged woman. So, you know, it might be an issue of he thinks it's a great idea to send a dick pic and she thinks it's really off-putting. And and he's thinking, you know, hey, but everyone does this. And she's thinking, no one does this. So, so, you know, there's lots of opportunity there to communicate about expectations, (laughs) as I like to say. So is that um, is that something that the uh, – uh, I have to use the term cougar because I don't have a better term. So uh, mm-hmm. that the cougar needs to uh, uh, kind of level set with the guy once they get into something. Once they get past sex, if they're going to have a relationship, does she have to kind of lay down the, the, the law in terms of this is how we communicate? Because particularly, as you, as you had mentioned, like millennials – 
the particularly the guys, they're caught somewhere between manscaping and the MMA, and it's really they're not sure mm-hmm. exactly who they're supposed <laughs> to be. And they do so much through right. the first of all the the uh, they get approached by a lot of women more so than the boomer guys did. Uh, the guy, the boomer guys, uh, on the positive side, you know, it w- they'd have to approach a woman in a bar like, "Hi, my name is Luke, can I buy you a drink?" and uh, had yeah. to really uh, develop their art, of, the art of conversation. Where a lot of millennial guys, it's like texting and hanging out, and they don't really go on mm-hmm. dates the same way. And I would think that just adds another hurdle to make the cougar cub relationship work if you want it to work for for a longer period of time than just young guys have more energy and more hair on their head than uh, than an older guy. Yeah, yeah. I can't remember who said this, but there's some saying about um, anything that's causing conflict or consternation in your life can probably be taken care of with a super sweaty 10-minute conversation. And, and, and so that just acknowledges that sometimes those things are hard to talk about, but mm-hmm. if you can suck it up, and when I say you, I mean both parties, both the older mm-hmm. woman and the younger man, if you can suck it up and say, okay, listen, there's this thing that's bothering me and it's super awkward, but let's talk about it. Like who's going to pay for dinner and, you know, um, who's, you know, what, why are you on your phone texting 24-7? That makes me nervous. You know, just kind of owning to our insecurities, which we all mm-hmm. have at any age, and owning to our some of our assumptions, which may not be serving us well in a particular relationship and saying maybe we should just kind of put this stuff on the table and, and suffer through the 20 minutes of awkward, and, and then we'll at least know where, where we're both coming from. And do you think that uh, – does that work, though? I guess yeah, it I can work, but, I mean, uh, yeah, you know, I mean, sometimes it's not that easy to get through to, you know, to young guys, like uh, just a sweaty 10-minute conversation. Um, and I'm not, <laughs> I'm not uh, trying to put you on the spot there, but it's just like – they're they're you know they have a behavioral te- behavioral tendencies and if you're I know from being in the position of a 25 year old guy it's like this is great when I would date older women because they were cool I liked hanging out with them number one number two they weren't so uptight about money three sex wasn't had to didn't have to play this big game they they kind of knew when it was time for sex it was much more it was much more natural getting to that spot and then once into sex they were very giving. Uh, and sharing partners, and I really, I really enjoyed the older women, uh, and they had a sense of humor too that I that I dated, um, but I didn't think I lived up to the maturity level. But none of them really had that conversation with me. We just kind of would drift away, and uh, yeah. but you know, in your experience or the experience with the woman you interviewed for the book, did they find that they could get through to these guys, or was it? Uh, you know, was it one one in the one in ten that you could get through to? Yeah, well, so I mean, in all honesty, many of them weren't really willing to have the courage necessary to have the kind of conversation I'm talking about. But here's the thing: that sort of courage is necessary in any relationship at any stage of life, no matter mm-hmm. whether you are minutes apart from your partner in age or a decade apart from your partner. Mm-hmm. I think more bravery is called for for all of us across the board at every life stage. So so if, it, if there's any sort of position I take on it, it's that. It's not a position of you should or shouldn't be in these kinds of relationships. My position is, and it's, and it's one of my hashtags, love favors the brave. We get more of what we want when we summon our courage to really ask for it and really express who we are and what we're about and what we want. 
Now, um, I know we want to keep it positive. I was thinking about, okay, so, you know, some of the older guys, they date. You know, I just saw Mick Jagger. He just broke up with his 30-year-old yeah. mother of his new son, and he's yeah. dating a 27-year-old now, and he's 73. And uh, he's not getting too much pushback on, on that. Yet, um, you know, women get women get criticized and to me it's not it's not really fair uh what is the feeling of the quote-unquote cougars out there in terms of how they're being treated by and viewed by our culture yeah so there's sort of two two levels to this there is the actual disapproval that many of these women have experienced from their family, their friends, their coworkers. And then there's the expectation of the disapproval, which is almost worse than the actual disapproval. It's, you know, when you work yourself up about what you think is going to be people's response or what you think you, you think people are giving you the side eye. And, and you know, that when we get in our own heads and, and F with ourselves in, in our own brains, that's just as self-sabotaging as when other people mm-hmm. are giving us a hard time. So some of the advice that I shared was to surround yourself with supportive friends. And most couples who stay together in the long run, regardless of age, they come into a relationship with his friends and her friends, and then they make friends together. They create Mm -hmm. friendships throughout the duration of their relationship. So a couple that has an age gap may have to be a little more intentional about doing that, but they they should definitely strive to do that. Now, do you think um, that the women, the older women who get into a relationship with a younger guy, um, are they, how, what do they think about their odds of uh, like a relationship lasting like 10 years plus or something? Are they looking, I know every situation is different, but Mm -hmm. are the women that you interviewed for your book and from your own perspective, are they looking for something really long term like marriage and stuff like that? Or is it? You know, I want to be with young guys. They have more energy. It's fresh. Uh, you know, I one of the quotes I read in the book uh, was, you know, uh, oh, a lot of guys in their 40s are, now that doesn't even mention guys in their 50s and 60s, are fat, bald, and boring. And I know that's a, a generality, and one woman made that statement. And, it's, you know, there's a lot of interesting guys in from any age bracket, as there are interesting women. But I guess my question is, do the women that you speak with and you've talked to for the book, what are their expectations in terms of uh, what they want out of the relationship uh, in terms of long-term? Do they want Mm long-term? Is it short-term? Do they want a date? Or is it like, I want to settle down with a young guy? Or is it like, this guy can go all night? Or what what is it? (laughs) What do you think? Or a little bit of Well, you know, only one woman who I spoke to specifically said that she set out to date younger men and only younger men. So she, she cited the, the reasoning that women outlive men and she didn't want to have a same age partner who died and left her alone and widowed for decades of her, her life late in life. Mm-hmm. And so she really sought to date younger men just because of that reality that, that men typically die younger. Most of the women didn't necessarily enter the relationship thinking it was going to be a relationship. It was sort of 
something that happened by chance or by accident, right. and they only very reluctantly sort of admitted, oh, I guess this was a relationship at some point. And for many of them, it was what I would call a transitional relationship, meaning it was a relationship either after they were widowed or divorced, which had sort of an almost healing effect or the effect mm-hmm. of ushering them from being a woman who was partnered to being a woman who was single. And it it was, for many of them, very healthy to have that kind of relationship that sort of shepherded them from one chapter of their lives to another chapter. And they didn't have Mm -hmm. the expectation that this is going to be the man I marry and, you know, hey, kids, meet your new stepdad. It it wasn't like that. Um, Now, many of those relationships did end because they either had very different expectations, different visions of what they wanted for their lives. With one couple, the man wanted to have a family, a biological family, and she was past that point. For another couple, uh, she really couldn't get over the um, sense that what she was doing was inappropriate or unacceptable. She didn't want to keep him kind of on the down low. So those were some of the things that ended the relationship. How about um, what do you think the perspective is from some of the um, cougar women uh, about uh, competition from the younger younger gals uh, because it's pretty intense out there just young girls versus young young ladies versus young ladies and then when they get a, like I know from personal experience just knowing women I know who like they hit 40, 45 and they're like oh and they're still single and there's a lot of them in New York and they're terrific but they're like it's hand-to-hand combat uh, over guys because um, there's not enough, you know, there's gay guys in the big cities and then there's married guys in the big cities and everywhere else, I guess, where there's not, and then there's jerks. And, uh, you know, when you're a little bit older, uh, then you have to compete, you know, they're competing, they're battling it out with each other. And then when you're a little bit older, you got to battle it out with the younger girls and, you know, you don't want to have to go, to clubs and stuff like that. So what's kind of the perspective you're getting from these women in terms of like, how do they, uh, let me just say, how do they hunt? Yeah. <laughs> yeah Which is so, fair so because, you know, if you're looking for, you're looking for uh company from the opposite sex, it's, it's partially hunting. Yeah. Yeah. And, and just sort of a, a follow-up point to your, your previous question. Um, regardless of age, I always encourage my matchmaking clients and my date coaching clients to think in terms of their values and their lifestyle. And Mm -hmm. so one of the things I said in the book was how old would you be if you didn't know how old you were? And for some people that age is Mm -hmm. less than the age on their driver's license. And for some people that age is actually older. So, so it's kind of about how do you want to live and and what's your vision for your relationship? And, um, but, but to your, your next question, I, I definitely found that with many of the women being with a younger man had the effect of amplifying their body consciousness and their awareness of their own aging process. And let me tell you that our culture is not particularly gentle on women uh, in aging. Mm -hmm. And there are enough enough prompts uh, for us every day to scrutinize ourselves a little more closely in the mirror and worry a little more about what we look like with our clothes off. And so sometimes being in that relationship can add a layer of pressure to stay in shape, diet and exercise, injectables and fillers. I mean, you know, there's all, there, there's all this stuff mm-hmm. that's available for beauty. Um, and so that can kind of compound the concern, but I kind of keep coming back to the idea that some people are one age chronologically 
and another age biologically. Sure. And biological age has to do with either how well or how poorly our bodies function. And so you could be 50 years old but have a biological age of 40 if you're healthy and you keep your stress level low and you sleep well and you've got a good diet and good exercise. You can also be 50 and have the body of an 80-year-old if you've been particularly abusive to your body. So I always come back to the idea of it's not so much how long has it been since you were born, but how do you define a meaningful, satisfying life? Now, do you find that uh, with the ladies that you talk to uh, for research in the book that once they get going with the younger guys, is it a place they'd like to stay? Or did you find that some of them went through a phase where like the young guys and then they started dating their guys their you know, age or older again? Or, you know, I guess it's all, pretty much all over the map. But what did you see any trends in terms of that where they're like, okay, the young guy has the energy in the body, but maybe the older guy has the brain and, brains and the money and the maturity uh, or, or, or not? I mean, you can find a young guy with money and brains and a body, but there's going to be a lot of other women looking for him too, uh, whereas you can also find an older guy who's got brains and a body and money too. So uh, yeah. how, do, how do you find the ladies that you talk to for the research in the book kind of traversing this terrain of different aged guys? Or is it, do yeah. they get to the point where it doesn't matter what the age is? Most of them did eventually sort of shift, shift lanes, so to speak, and go back mm-hmm. to dating same-aged men. Uh, a few shifted lanes entirely, and one woman I talked to shifted to dating women, mm-hmm. um, and a minority of of these women stayed kind of in the cougar lane. So, um, so yeah, the the outcomes can kind of be all across the board. Um, you asked a little bit about um, whether the preferences changed, and then and then also the competition from younger. Mm-hmm. Women and and without getting too sort of you know luxury and academic, one of the things that I thought was kind of the most interesting light bulb moment was when I got into the um, sort of evolutionary biology and evolutionary anthropology because I wanted to understand why do we prefer just from as outsiders, just looking on, knowing nothing about the couple, why do we have that knee-jerk reaction? Why do we prefer a same-aged couple over a couple where there is a clear and definite age gap, particularly where the woman's older? And it has to do with what has served us as a species from sort of an evolutionary point of view, that the clear skin and the bright white eyes and full breath, round hips, all those things are associated with successful reproduction. And so that pairing, that preference for that pairing is hardwired into our brains, I believe, even though it no longer necessarily serves um, a function of perpetuating the species. You know, we we really aren't at risk of dying out. It was a bias that served our caveman and cavewoman ancestors, but it it doesn't necessarily serve the same function for us in 2016, 2017. Now, uh Let's talk about that a little bit more when, uh, you know, sometimes with the uh, cougar, she'll, she might have some, you know, a teenage kid or something like that. And I know when I dated some older women, they had kids, but the kids weren't the, an issue the way if you dated somebody and they had, who was in their late 20s or early 30s and they had like a three-year-old where it, the dynamic is completely different because, you know, they want to get back into a real 
stable relationship because being a single mom with two or three little kids or something, you know, that's that's tough. And uh, mm-hmm. yet, if you're with a cougar, if you will, and they have like a teenage son or something like that, it's a it's a different ball game where the kid is not. You know, of course, the kid's going to be very very important to the mom, but it's not mm-hmm. the kid's not that much of a factor in the relationship. Yeah, so so the women who had teenage or early 20s children mm-hmm. who maybe were even closer in age to their boyfriends than they were, um, they had special cause for concern. And I have really advised those women to go even slower in progressing with the relationship and introducing your younger boyfriend to your kids. Just slow the whole process down because ultimately – especially if it's a post-divorce situation, the health and well-being and happiness of your child is of utmost importance. And those kids are going to need a little extra time and a little extra understanding and a little extra explaining at at whatever point it's appropriate. I've looked a lot in my research at parallels because to me our attitudes are an issue of ageism and an issue of sexism. So Mm -hmm. I looked at racism to see if I could find some parallels in terms of inspiration and strategy and and that sort of thing. And I found um, Jesse Jackson had said in a speech somewhere that excellence is the best deterrent to racism. Excellent is the best deterrent to sexism. So be excellent. And and I thought that that was applicable. Mm -hmm. Um, There there are probably going to be days when people – treat your relationship like you have some kind of boy toy or trophy boyfriend or um, they just don't get it or they snub you. And really the best response is to be excellent uh, in in your love for each other or in your care for each other or mm-hmm. even if it's just a sexual thing, just to, to sort of know that it's in alignment with who you are and what you want. Mm-hmm. And then one of two things happens. Either you stop caring what other people think or the naysayers fall silent. How about um, sex? Um, do you have any thoughts that you've gleaned from the ladies in terms of, or advice you give them in terms of, uh, you know, the cougars dating a younger guy? Sex, you know, I, I always ask my relationship experts, what do you think about sex on the first date? What What are your <laughs> thoughts in terms of cougar cup? Yeah, so <laughs> sex surprisingly was one of the least talked about things. And and I think that that is puzzling because it still surprises me. You know, people think about these older woman, younger man relationships, and the first thing they think about often is just, well, the sex must be off the chart. And, right. and usually it was. So it was kind of like we could fast forward through that part of the conversation, and I didn't end mm-hmm. up asking them a lot about mm-hmm. sex. Because uh, that was like the foregone conclusion. Okay, the sex was great. Good for you. High five. Let's talk about the other stuff. Um, so, yeah, so I didn't really, you know, kind of get in get in bed with them <laughs> um, in my research. A few of the women would say disparaging things about their former same-age partners, like, oh, I want to make sure I'm with a man whose plumbing works or mm-hmm. a man who doesn't need a little blue pill or whatever. Um, but, but the sex was never the problem part of the relationship. Hmm. Okay. Um, did you interview a lot of guys for the book too, the younger guys? I did not. I only interviewed a few and it wasn't for lack of trying. Um, and, and with my next book or any follow-up books I might do, I really do want to talk to the men and I hope they'll be a little more open 
to doing that uh, now that revising Mrs. Robinson is out. But mm. you know, kind of a strange thing happened. I, I went out looking for, uh, and I'm very non-judgmental, very open-minded. I mean, I really mm. wasn't um, looking for any particular answers or, or trying to affect the outcome. But I said I really want to talk to you about these experiences. And I and I, you know, younger men just kind of shut down. They just kind of went away, and it was crickets. And there's even a story I tell in the book about, you know, this guy like just practically bolting for the door uh, at a dance club. Um, and and Why so do they, you think that they is? really didn't. You know, I, I think I think he probably imagined. If I mean, I can only guess because like he didn't stay around long enough to tell me. But he probably imagined that I had some kind of angle that I was mm-hmm. looking for some kind of confessional, like oh, I'm just you know hooking up or you know what's maybe he thought I wanted to know the inside the inside and out of his strategy so I could reveal it. And that wasn't my purpose at all. Um, or maybe he realized I was you know not available myself, and and so it was on to the next thing, on to greener pastures. Now, putting the sex aside, assuming that, you know, the younger guy is going to have more testosterone, a little bit more energy and uh, less need of the blue pill and all of that, and the woman's sex drive seems to be on a little bit of a different timetable. You know, the guy, I think, peaks at about, I don't know, 13 to 17 or something, and women (laughs) supposedly peak like in their 40s or whatever. Mm. Besides putting that aside, um, what were some of the issues that the the women had in terms of, uh, and if you got, pa- it seems like to your research, you got past the sexual, you didn't have to talk about the sex because the assumption was that, well, of course the sex was good because he has a lot of energy and I'm mature and like, mm-hmm. bang, it works. What were the issues that the women had with dating younger guys that they wished they could improve? and this is regardless of age, is that oftentimes the female brain has been sort of wired to play it safe. And so women, because we have always had to consider the long-term consequences of our romantic and sexual decisions, our brains are kind of wired to constantly evaluate the situations that we find ourselves in. And that's self-protecting, that's self-preserving. It's not about playing hard to get or being difficult or, you know, I don't want to be easy or whatever. It's, it's really, there is a process of discernment at work. And some of my most interesting research was with a bunch of, I, I was reading up on the, the studies of neuroscientists and the way they were studying like porn and the effects on the male brain and um, mm-hmm. looking at how the female brain makes decisions and, and analyzes relationships. And, and it's true. Women really are constantly filtering information, identifying, does this potential partner present a risk? If so, how great is it? It's like there's a SWOT analysis, you know, the business analysis of strengths, weaknesses, opportunities, and threats, a SWOT analysis going on in our minds. And, and we have some very refined neural software up there um, mulling mm-hmm. over the evidence. And so, you know, if a woman's not having sex with you on the first date, please understand that that's probably what's going on. Um, and, and a younger man who really wants to connect with an older woman can just respect that and slow his role, and he may eventually get what he wants. 
Now, what was the uh, last question? What was the biggest surprise that you got when you did your research for the book? Oh, well, you know, I think the fact that we still have this double whammy of ageism and sexism at work, even in this modern era where women are supposedly were educated, were employed, you know, there have been all these advancements. Uh, this concept of female hypergamy is still very much alive and well, and that's the bias that says that it's okay for men to date down or marry down, but women should strive to marry up or date up. And that's mm-hmm. a problem because um, we're going to have more mixed-collar marriages in the future, uh, I'm predicting, right. and many social scientists are predicting, um, because there are simply fewer men entering college and graduating from college than there are women. So we're going to kind of have to get over that uh, female hypergamy and uh, look at some new new structures for relationships. I love it. So, listen, great job. Um, uh, the book is uh, it's Guys Guys Radio. Our special guest is Susanna Matthews, the date maven. And uh, the book is called Revising Mrs. Robinson, Navigating Cougar Cub Dating and Relationships. So tell our audience, please, uh, Susanna, where they can learn more about you, the, get the book, social media, etc. Yes. So my website is www.thedatemaven.com. Uh, happy to share my blog posts with you there. I'm also on YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And Revising Mrs. Robinson has its own Facebook page. So if you go to Facebook and just type Revising Mrs. Robinson into the search field, it should pop up there. And the book is available at Amazon.com and BarnesandNoble.com. Fantastic. Well, listen, uh, thank you so much for uh, being on Guys Guys Radio, and thank you for your patience. I know we had some technical issues, but I think we had a good show, and I like the work that you're doing, and I uh, respect you for uh, the time it takes. I know what it takes to write a book, and uh, it's a real book. You've got a lot of meat here, and uh, it's it's interesting, and you've got a good message. And I think that people both men and women should be respectful of uh, the uh, cougar-cub relationship. Maybe we need to come up with a new name for that because it's really women and men and uh, being at their best and both winning. And it doesn't matter what the age is. It's like whatever makes people happy and whatever spreads more love. Thank you so much. And, and, And I just want to tell you the work you're doing and and I just love the message that you're bringing to men and women as well. Well, thanks so much. I really appreciate that. And uh, maybe we'll talk again. Keep us posted, and I'll see you, uh, I'll see you on social media. And thank you so much, Susanna. See you out there. Thank you, Robert. All right. Be well. Okay, folks, that's our show for this evening. Uh, again, sorry for the hiccups. Uh, uh, you know, there's only so much I can do, hosting the show, finding the guests, producing the show, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. But we got it done. And uh, all our shows are available on iTunes, Stitcher, TuneIn Radio, Blog Talk Radio. And we'll be back next week at uh, on next Wednesday, I believe. No, actually, we're going to be back next Tuesday, the 20th, at 7 p.m. We have another author, a metaphysical author, Master Charles Cannon, is going to be with us. And then we've got another show on the 28th. And then uh, we start next year on January 4th, and we're back on Wednesdays right through next March. And uh, again, as I mentioned, we're over 200 podcasts on Guys Guys Radio, and it's all about... uh, 
when men and women can be at their best, everyone wins. And I like to say better men, better world, and most importantly, guys, guys, finish first.